Man, it's exciting to be starting a new year with you guys. We're doing some unusual stuff. Uh, for one, just having one service instead of two is different for us. We're in a different routine. Uh, Chris was literally sprinting for the last couple hours because everything broke. Most Sundays, just half of the things break, but this Sunday, everything broke. So um, thank you, Chris, for your hard work. Um, and we're doing something a little unusual. I'm actually going to interview a couple people in the middle of the sermon to give some illustrations of some of the things we'll be talking about. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We study the Bible each week in our gatherings because we believe the Bible speaks with the authority and relevance of Jesus himself. So we want to listen to him. We want to learn from him. This year, we're going to be spending most of the year studying the book of Luke. We'll take a little break during the pre-Easter Lenten season to focus on fasting and feasting, but the rest of the year, we're going to be focusing on the gospel of Luke, what it means to follow Jesus through the eyes of the gospel writer, Luke. And so we'll be in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, and the name of the sermon today is Listen to Your Father. Listen to Your Father. Now, for those of you that are, that are watching the text, yeah, my kid's here. Listen to your father. Just to be clear, we're talking about listening to our heavenly father, okay? Um, she's 21 anyway. She doesn't really have to listen to me anymore. So listen to your heavenly father in Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. And if you are paying close attention to our march through the book of Luke, you'll notice I skipped the Simeon and Anna text. We're coming back to that next week. So we are going to get all of Luke um, I just switched the order this week because I feel like this was a better New Year's text. So then we'll go back to Simeon and Anna next week, the previous little story in Luke, and, and continue to march through the Gospel of Luke. I heard an old story many years ago about uh, three men that applied to be telegraph operators. Telegraph operators. Back in the old day, before telephones, before cell phones, we used to use Morse code and tap out signals through telegraph. And so three guys were applying for this telegraph operator job. They were invited to interview at the same time. They all showed up to the telegraph operating office, the station there. And they were told, wait in the waiting room, and you'll be invited in for your interview. So all three of them were in the waiting room. There were people coming in and out, sending messages, receiving messages. There was kind of a steady clicking, you know, in the background of the Morse code being tapped out. And suddenly one of the three people stands up, goes into the inner office, all of a sudden, and then a few minutes later, he comes out with the manager. And the manager says, this is going to be our new telegraph operator. We've decided to hire him. And the other guys were, were upset. They're frustrated. They're like, what, what's the deal? You said you were going to invite us in for an interview. We didn't even get an interview. And he said, well, the entire time you were in the waiting room, I was tapping the message out in Morse code. Come in for the interview. Please come in. One of them was listening. The other two were not. They all knew Morse code but only one of them was listening. And I like that illustration because it's a good picture of our own life. Jesus is speaking to us constantly. He's not only speaking to us in the Word, He's speaking to us in creation. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So is your face going to be down this year looking at a screen, or will your face be up looking at the heavens and declaring the glory of God, listening to His voice? This year, will you be running through the circular thoughts of anxiety and fear because the world is on fire? Yes, it is. But will you be circulating on that over and over again? Or will you be paying attention to God and his word, listening to your heavenly father? Jesus is an example to follow as well as the one who purchases our life. 
And so we have a beautiful example to follow here. We'll come back to him as the one who actually provides for our salvation. We'll come back to that at the end of the sermon. But we want to start with him as an example. He's an example for us to follow. He's the obedient son that listened to his heavenly father. So let's read the text. It can be found on page, I don't know, anybody turn there? 80-something? 858? 858 in the Black Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of those. We'd love for you to have your own Bible. You can take that home. We've got more in the closet. Page 858. It's Luke chapter 2, starting verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That's the key verse. Let me read it again. He said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And when he went down with them, and he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. This is God's Word. Let me pray that God's Spirit would help us to hear, receive, and listen to Him today. God, thank You that You love us. We have many days, many moments that we doubt that, but when we look back to the cross, when we look back to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're reminded again, You love us. You've come for us. You've saved us. You've adopted us. So now, Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would supernaturally enable us to be good listeners. Help us to hear you. Help us to see what you're doing in your word. And we pray that that would change us, that you would conform us more and more to the image of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen to your father. I forgot to start my timer. Oh, no. Okay, listen to your father. Y'all can tell every week I'm really worried about that, right? Uh, Listen to your father. So three big ideas as we see this story unfold again. Um, it's right and good to model ourselves after Jesus as long as we understand that all salvation and all provision is a gift from Jesus. So as we receive the gift from Jesus, we receive the gift of life that he gives us by faith, then it's right and good to say, I'm going to imitate him, right? The problem is when you try to imitate him without the free gift of faithful salvation where you're trusting him, Right? So as we trust him, then we should actually follow him and do what he does. And so we're seeing him live these things out. Number one, listen to him in regular gatherings. Listen to him in regular gatherings. This is a model we see in the life of Jesus and his parents. Listen to him in regular gatherings. Number two, listen to his book. We see him listening to the teachers of the word, of the Bible, in the temple, asking questions, listening, focused on it, learning. Listen to his book. 
And then number three, listen to his obedient son. Listen to Jesus himself, right? We're, we're listening to the Father as we listen to the Son. Jesus said it to his disciples this way. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. There's a unity in the Trinity. And so as we go through the book of Luke, we're going to kind of be separating the Trinity out some and looking at the Son in his humanity following his example. But we also want to put the Trinity back together and say, we're listening to the Spirit as we listen to the Son, as we listen to the Father, okay? There's a oneness there. Listen to the obedient Son. So number one, listen to him in regular gatherings. Listen to him in regular gatherings. We see this in verses 41 through 45. 41 through 45. First verse here is is very helpful, kind of sets the tone. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year, okay? That's really important. Every year at the Feast of the Passover. They had many other feasts, and we're going to study this, as I said earlier, during the Lenten season, we're going to study the Old Testament feasts and look at the ways they point to Christ. Passover is probably the greatest feast it bookends the life of Christ. Here we have the first public appearance of Jesus saying something at Passover. And where does Jesus end his story? As the ultimate Passover lamb. But the point here is that we have a model to follow. God gives us opportunities to listen to him. In the Old Testament, they were the Old Testament feasts. We're, we're no longer members of the Old Covenant. We're members of the New Covenant. So we're no longer under these Old Testament feasts. But God still gives us many opportunities to listen to him. Most theologians would say, as we look at the New Testament, communion now is kind of the New Testament Passover. It's this new ritual where we weekly in our church or monthly in some other churches, remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Remember that he was our Passover lamb that gave himself to save us from our slavery to sin and death. So what are the regular gatherings that God has given us? Well, here we've got Passover, and in verse 42, says, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So 12 to 13 is an important transition time in a boy's life in Jewish culture. This is when a boy is beginning to be expected to be a man. Um, And so in some ways, we do that in our culture. There's kind of a recognition of the teen years. The word adolescent is a linguistic connection to adult. Adolescent years are when kids are learning to adult. Adulting is beginning to take place, right? Now, there's been a lot said uh, in our culture how that's getting pushed later and later, right? And so, parents, I want to encourage you to give your kids opportunities to adult early on. Don't wait until they're 25. That's too late, okay? Begin giving them opportunities to adult as they enter into adolescence. And, and here we see this with Jesus, and this was normal. You've heard of the bar mitzvah and the becoming a son of the law and kind of the Jewish traditions of entering into responsibility and adult grappling with God's word. That's part of what's happening here. Verse 43, when the feast was ended, as they were returning, so they're leaving to go back to Galilee, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Now, people like to joke about this a lot, right? Like, they lost the Son of God, boy. You know, like, man. Uh, I just saw a comedian the other day joking about this, and he was like, man, imagine their prayers. Joseph and Mary praying. God, uh, you know... (laughs) And so they were frantically looking for him, right? They were searching for him. But it's somewhat understandable because it was a big entourage, right? This, was, this would be more like a family reunion. Any of you ever been to a huge family reunion where you got like 20, 30, 50, 100 people, extended family all getting together? Very easy to lose each other, right? And they're all leaving in a mob and they're like, wait, where, where is he, right? Takes them a while to figure it out. They go back looking for him. Verse 44 Uh, supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. 
But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So every year they took him to Passover, and they went to Passover. They made this a regular part of gathering with the saints, the people of God, to remember God's salvation, right? The Passover is a way to remember that God had saved his people. That's what it's for. We have similar traditions now in the New Covenant. We gather weekly to remember God through reading the Bible, singing the Bible, praying together, taking communion, baptism today. These are ways that we remember God's faithfulness to us. Um, I grabbed a picture of people worshiping together. I think the central way that we would envision this regular gathering of a yearly Passover is more in the weekly gathering of our worship services. That's probably the simplest, easiest way to translate these feasts is, hey, we have, a, we have a weekly gathering. And now to be fair, in the Old Testament, they did as well. They had the big festivals, and then they had the weekly gathering, more like what we do in church, where they would read and pray and sing together in fellowship with God's people. And so we have these same, what are called means of grace. Do you understand what the means of grace? Do you understand uh, God has given you means activities by which you can receive his grace. Public worship, taking communion, baptism, reading God's word, praying, fellowshipping with other believers. What is fellowshipping? That's crying together, rejoicing together, encouraging one another, eating fried chicken together. You know, all of that, all that together. That's fellowshipping, helping each other out, brothers and sisters, praying for one another, praying with one another. These are the means of grace. These are the opportunities for us to Gather, worship, and listen to our Heavenly Father. So are you listening to Him in regular gatherings? Listening to God in regular gatherings. So we've got weekly rest. Sabbath principle is a really important part of that. Weekly gatherings in worship like we're doing right now. I would encourage you to make it a New Year's resolution to make weekly gathering a priority for you. It's a lost art in the Christian life. People don't really do that anymore. Uh, we, those of us church nerds, we study the statistics on this. Um, weekly church attendance has gone way down among people that consider themselves regular involved Christians. You know, People that consider themselves church members used to go to church every week unless they were sick. And now people that consider themselves church members go to church like twice a month, right? Like it's just the averages, the statistics, those have gone way down. I encourage you to make it a regular part of your life. Not because we're checking up on you, right? Not because you're getting a grade or performing for the Lord, but because it's a place to receive grace. It's a place to be encouraged. That, that's why you should pursue this a relationship with your heavenly Father. Also, we talk about weekly small groups, joining a group, having real life-on-life conversations with people, whether that's just an accountability group of, of two or three people who you talk to and pray with and share your stuff and talk about how you can obey Jesus better. Or that might be a more formal group like our women's Bible study or recovery ministry or a group that meets in a home or at the church. There's, there's bigger and smaller versions of this. But it's really important that you would join a group with other people, walk with Jesus together. And then finally, serving on a team. We talk about this every week. Serving on a team is part of how you listen to your heavenly father. As you imitate Jesus and serve others and step out in faith and try to corporately work together with the church and our, our mission of spreading Jesus' name in the city and in the world, you're going to hear your Heavenly Father speak to you. 
Just as Jesus commissioned, recommissioned Peter after Peter betrayed him three times over a charcoal fire, then Jesus recommissions him three times over a charcoal fire. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my little lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And we want to invite you into that process as well. And then there are also daily gatherings, right? Daily gathering with God's Word. You alone in your prayer closet. And that's going to be the next point. We're going to talk about this in some more detail. But are you daily praying and are you daily reading God's Word or meditating on God's Word? Are those rhythms happening? The regular gatherings personally around God's Word and prayer and corporately with God's people. So this brings us to the next point. Listen to the book. Listen to the book. Verses 46 through 48. Look at verse 46. After three days, they found him where? In the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So again, we have a lot of similarities between Old Covenant and New Covenant. Um, This would have been something between a big church and like Bible college, right? So this would have been a a little more than church, right? Because they didn't go there every week. The temple was kind of a big central national gathering place where God's word was taught and teachers rotated through and everything. So it would have been kind of like a Bible college where you're training teachers and you could go and learn and, ha- and go to seminars, right, and have festivals there. And it would also have been kind of like church. So something maybe in between those two things in our culture. But here it's a place where we're told he's listening to the teachers of the Word of God. Those who are teaching God's Word. Let me read that again. After three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. I want to focus on verses 46 and 47. What are the actions that Jesus was living out that we can follow in the new year? Listening to the book. We see him wrestling with the teachers. He says he is Sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And then it also says all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say for the new year, your goal should be number one and number two, not necessarily number three, okay? We shouldn't necessarily be shooting for, we want everyone to be amazed at our understanding and our answers. <laughs> Let Jesus take care of that. That may happen on occasion. On occasion, we may have an insight into the Word, and people are like, wow, that's an amazing insight into God's Word. And you're like... Praise God. All glory to Him. That shouldn't be our goal, right? That's a very Jesus-y goal. That's a, a Jesus-y thing. That's not necessarily a, a regular human being thing. I think we want to focus on the first two things. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Let me say it this way. Sitting with God's Word, listening to it, asking it questions. Are you doing that? Are you reading God's Word? Are you listening to God's voice? Are you asking Him questions? It should be interactive. It's a relationship. You're listening to your Heavenly Father. You should never read God's Word apart from praying with the Father. What are you saying here? I'm not sure I understand this. What's going on here? Like, it should be a conversation as you read. Yes, we want to read it with the same kind of skills we learn from literature and, you know, how to read a book, all these other kinds of skills of understanding grammar and history and background and context, making sense of it like any other book, but also never forget it's supernatural. And we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us through this book. So we're talking to him constantly. So it's really interesting when he gives his response, 
verse 49, they're like, we were really distressed. We were really freaked out. He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That's a hard rebuke from, from Jesus. And again, we, it's hard for us to understand how Jesus could have been like an ordinary human and like properly, biblically rebuke his parents at age 12. That's a hard, like, I don't know how to sort all that out, but let's focus in on what he actually says here. He says, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? In the Greek, this is, did you not know that I must be in my father's? Now the translations fill in the blank for us. By context, father's what? Well, house. He's in the temple, right? The King James said, uh, my father, be about my father's business. I got to check my notes to make sure I'm saying this right. Yeah. Did you not know I must be about my father's business, right? So it's just a blank there in the Greek. It's like, didn't you know I should be about my father? I should be in my father's, right, whatever. His father's business, his father's house. I think both are true. Translations are helpfully providing a little more, a little more detail here. But the essence is I must be about my father. Do you have that same passion, that same focus, I must be about the things of my Father. Are you passionate and desperate to be about the things of your Father? I've got a picture of someone studying their Bible here. Um, We really want to promote and encourage Bible reading in the new year. Not to impress other people. Not so you can say, hey, other Christians, I'm an important Christian that reads my Bible. That's not the point. As a matter of fact, Jesus rebuked this among the old covenant Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. He said, you guys are doing it all wrong. Your spirituality is performative. You're doing your your spirituality to be seen. That's not what it's about. Matthew chapter 6 is a great cross-reference. It's one of the places where we're given the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says it's about a relationship with the Father, a personal relationship with the Father. He talks about giving. He talks about praying. He talks about... What else does he talk about there? Fasting? So he's not even talking about reading the Bible. Here we see him talking about reading the Bible. But in those places, he's like these disciplines of interacting spiritually, spiritual disciplines, these means of grace are not about performing so that people will see you. He repeats it three times. It's so that your father sees you secretly. It's for you and your father to relate together. Knowing that you're adopted by faith in Jesus, knowing that you're loved, enables you then to, with joy and delight, want to spend time with your Father. So as we head into the new year, uh, I want to bring up uh, a few friends. I'm going to bring up Loris and Wally, my wife Autumn, Chanel. We all come on up. We've got a microphone here. I want to share a couple of ways that you guys have practiced listening to the book. I just want to give some practical examples for ways that you can read your Bible, study your Bible, think about your Bible. We've got a Bible reading plan that we've given you with some articles that will discuss some of the things they're saying, but other ideas as well. And this Bible reading plan can be found in the back in a little basket there. Some of you have grabbed them already. This is a good starter if you've never made daily Bible reading a habit for you. Should we go in age order here? I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> Look at the arrangement. Okay, Chanel's going to go first. Here we go. All right. Come on up, Chanel. I meant oldest first, but here we go. We'll go sorry. youngest first. Sorry, sorry. So yeah, so Chanel, um, you're a young mom. You got babies. Your kids are kind of moving out of the baby stage now. Uh, middle, uh, like elementary age and, and preschool. Uh, so share as a young mom who's like busy. You have no time, right? Three little kids. 
You got no time at all. Share some ways that you found to to listen to God through the scriptures. Um, So we'll read together. When they wake up, we'll do a devotional or I'll just choose a chapter to read with them. And as I explain it to them, it builds me up, encourages me as well. And then um, during the day, I'll just play it on the Bible app, in the car, at the gym, play it while I'm cooking and so I can hear the word. And then sometimes I'll wake up early and I'll read it while they're asleep. And if they wake up, I'll let them hear me read it out loud. Very good. I like how you just do whatever it takes. (laughs) That's a good model, right? Uh, This is the season where you have the least amount of time, and I thank you for that that model and that example for us. Uh, Someone else? Wally, you want to come next? Are we going to go in age order or not? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you can sit down if you want to. You want to share? All right. Hello, my name is Wally. Christian, you can call me James, so it's okay. Um, He just found out my name's not really Wally. Um, uh, Anyways, uh, the question that comes to my mind with uh, reading God's Word consistently is what uh, Pastor Dave wanted me to talk about. And I had to ask the question, why do we have to read God's Word consistently? Why do we have to read it daily? And the key thing that came to my mind is that it has to do with relationship in order to establish it and grow it. Uh, we are built for a relationship. We are designed for it. And so then you still have to ask the question, well, why is reading God's word difficult? Mm. Again, it's relationship. Relationships are difficult. Mm. It's two becoming one. Uh, it's just there's, there's a forging that has to take place. And so it's a lot like uh, a marriage. And uh, I love the testimony from, from Roy and Amanda on just the difficulties, the forging that they had to go through in their own marriage and how God's word kind of came in and pieced that together. But I'd like to share a story real quick to help explain this from one of my mentors. His name's Cecil. Uh, he just recently reported to me that he read the Bible for the 57th time. Whoa! He's 76 years old. And mm. again, as Pastor Dave was saying, it's not about how many times you read God's word. Uh, but 57 times through, through the scriptures. Uh, he's also been married for 57 years. Mm. And so he shared the story with me that... Uh, imagine if he went up to his wife, Jeannie, 57 years ago, asked her out, goes home, tells his mom, Mom, I found the woman I'm going to marry. Next day, they go out on a, uh, they're supposed to go on a date, but he finds out that she got hit by a bus. Mm. And so he asked, what would my reaction be? It would be, well, shucks. <laughs> mm. That sucks. What mm. now? Mm. But then he rephrased the story. And he said, what would happen if 57 years ago, I went up to Jeannie, asked her out on a date. We go on a date, and we become married for 57 years, and then she got hit by a bus. I would be devastated, he said, gut-wrenched, undone. She didn't get hit by a bus. She did die from Alzheimer's this past February. Mm. And Cecil's not one to grieve, but he's been a crying little boy for quite some time since Mm. then. The point that he's trying to make is, that when it comes to forging that relationship with God through his word, uh, it takes time. If, if you just commit to it, to a marriage for a year, a couple years, two years, and then things get tough, you're going to put it on the shelf and, well, shucks. But once you get to that 10-year, that 20-year, that 30-year relationship, that marriage with Jesus, you're not going to be able to put it down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be gut-wrenching to do so. 
and it's too often easy for us to just put this on the shelf. We try to make these New Year's resolutions, and then we kind of give up, mm. and we got to go back to the why behind why we're doing it. Mm. And it's that relationship that has to take some heat and some work and some effort, just as any marriage does. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. My wife. This is my favorite. This is my wife. <laughs> I mean, I love the rest of y'all. <laughs> so do you mind sharing just some of the things you've learned over the years in Bible reading and practices that have helped you? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that, honestly, the best thing for, for reading our Bible is honestly just to... Um, to make it a priority. Mm. I'm super type A, so I know it's easy for me. It seems to y'all, it's really not. I have a lot of other things I could put in slot one being mm-hmm. type A, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that if I don't start my day with the word of God, it probably is going to get filled with all the 57 other things that I've got on my list of good things I should do all day. Mm. Um, so that would be my, my number one thing. But what would that look like? Um, I've been a busy mom. <laughs> Chanel, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just pull out whatever is in your arsenal that you mm-hmm. can manage, mm-hmm. right? Um, but as I've gotten older, and um, some of y'all already know part of this, but as I've gotten older, I have begun to lose some of my senses, mm-hmm. um, which is really annoying and kind of confusing. Um, but, you know, the title of this point is to listen mm-hmm. to the book while... I've been losing my hearing since I was, well, I knew about it since I was 30. Um, so I can't count on the fact that that's always going to be around, right? That early hearing loss is super weird. I've got great hearing aids, but I don't hear without them very well at all. So listening can be hard, right? But I still do it. Um, recently, I've had some terrible trouble with my eyes. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to, if I'm always going to be able to literally read God's word either. So I feel like, um, as an educator as well, all the different ways that you can get the stuff into your head and into your heart, um, the deeper they will be understood by you, right? Um, so read and listen, come to church. That's listening, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Live with the pastor. That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I get it all the time, y'all. <laughs> it's great. Um, but so really, what I want to say is... Um, yeah, so listening for one thing is not cheating. I know you have, we have these great, um, I'm going to commit to sitting with my Bible and reading a chapter every day, or whatever it is, that is awesome. And, and when the Lord gives you grace and you can pull that off, that little plan works, super. It's not cheating to listen. Come on, it's still the word of God, right? It's, being, it's getting into your soul. Um, but I remember several years ago when I read The Hiding Place, I think it was called, by mm. Corey Ten Boom, mm-hmm. and, and she was in... Um, in concentration camps in in the war and um she didn't have well she did i think at first have some scripture with her um but it got taken from her and she shared it with other people because she knew that the lord is the one who saves and his word is important um but you guys memorizing scripture is another way to listen to god right the world is going to tell us all day long who we should be how we should love other people, even Christians. We, we have our ideas and we have ways of explaining things. But um, I learned a long time ago that discernment is important. And the way I would describe discernment is that it's the difference to tell, or it's the ability to tell the difference between what's right and what's almost right. And if I don't have the word of God in my heart, 
and I hear the world or even some other Christians telling me what God says, and I can't check that with scripture, I may not actually be following God. So I'm going to hide that stuff in my heart because I don't know how long I'm able to see to read it or how long I'm able to listen and hear it. But I figure the day that my, my heart stops beating and my brain stops working, I'll be with the word of God. So that's my encouragement to you any way that you can get it. But honestly, memorizing it is, um, is really great. Amen. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Loris. Well, that's changed. What do you want me to say? You can share it all. <laughs> this is time for the mic drop. Just finish it all off. I can walk away. Um, Dave's going to be talking about the Bible reading plan mm-hmm. that uh, uh, we want to really recommend this year. In the front of that, it has the hand illustration. Mm. That illustration has been so helpful for me. Mm. It's on uh, how to intake the word and uh, how to, I like the word, engraft it, making it a part of my life. Mm. And um, I grew up in the church, a, a Bible-believing, preaching church. Uh, I, I heard the word every year. Every week, every and uh, and my family read the Bible, so I heard it every day, mm-hmm. and uh, so and then I started reading the Bible fairly early. Um, we went to church. Uh, that decision was made for me early. Uh, later on, I made it myself, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a weekly decision. It was just that's what we're going to do, mm-hmm. and so it was a way of life. What really um, and, and so I came to Christ at an early age. My life was up and down. Um, and, but it wasn't until uh, <laughs> a number of years after I started walking with Jesus that someone came alongside me and said, um, uh, would you like some help? At that point, um, I, I had become convicted by a, a number of verses, but one was in Hebrews 5.12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. Now, it's right and appropriate uh, for infants to, you don't give them steak and bread, you feed them milk. And First uh, Peter says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And so as an infant, that's great to feed on milk. Uh, but here I, I was like a, a grown man still feeding on milk. Mm. And that's not normal. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of abnormal. Mm. And so I wanted to learn how to feed myself from the word. Mm. And I wanted to learn how to help others do that. So here was a guy who was willing to help me. And so it wasn't just, uh, you know, read and uh, hear and read. It's start to do Bible study. I really appreciate Grace Bible Church because Dave's sharing his studies with us. And we're getting in on Bible study. Uh, But it's still not like doing it yourself. And so that's why we want small groups where you're actually 
digging it out yourself and learning to feed yourself. But as Autumn mentioned, the thing that really was transformational for me was uh, he, he's, this guy started to help me with scripture memory. Mm. And I was, I was convinced that was the thing to do. I just wasn't committed to it. Mm. He helped me get committed because he was going to check up on me every week. Mm. And I agreed to do that. And so initially, that was what it was like. Uh, Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. Mm. That might have been just by decision. Might have been a little dry. Might have been a little uh, wearisome routine. But he says, your word became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And I found that to be true. As I started memorizing scripture, I, 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 after a while, I started thinking differently mm. in making decisions and talking to people. I caught myself thinking, do I know any verses on that? Mm. Uh, what does God say about that? And so that was a transformation for me. And uh, that's, that's where I live. <laughs> is, uh, another verse in Psalms 119, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Mm. How is it going to be my meditation if I have memorized it? That's, mm. that's been the biggest mm-hmm. help in meditating on the word is, is just memorizing it and been thinking about it all through the day. So... Do it now. It, it doesn't come, you know, it's, it's one guy said, it's, uh, uh, it's old cards, but they're all new verses. Mm. And uh, that's, that's really true. It doesn't, uh, mm. it's all new verses now, so I have to really work more. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. As Loris mentioned, we put together some of that guidance in here about uh, praying uh, the hand of like the different ways to take in the word, listening to sermons, memorizing scripture, studying scripture, uh, how to choose a good Bible translation, study Bible. We've got a lot of helps, and then it also has kind of an 80% Bible reading plan. So 24 readings a month, you get 80, 80 90% of, of the story of scripture, mostly chronological. Um, it's one of the things that I recommend a lot if you've already established some Bible reading habits um, and you want to read through the Bible in a year, I think chronological Bibles are really helpful. There's also the McShane plan, which is a famous old uh, preacher from England who has a a Bible reading plan that's helpful. Uh, And then there's also a lot of like daily Bibles you can buy, uh, one-year Bibles that have like an Old Testament, New Testament reading. Uh, Our plan is a little bit like that as well, mostly chronological with a mix of Old and New Testament. Uh, I recommend that. There's also the Navigator's Topical Memory System, which is really helpful. You can download an app, and I think it's only about four or five bucks uh, for that app. Um, it's the Navigator's Topical Memory System, and that will take you through topics of Scripture, memorizing one verse at a time. I know one thing that's really been uh, exciting for my wife is memorizing whole chapters as well. I want to recommend that to you, just kind of really digging into a chapter. You know, you're spending a month or two just memorizing maybe Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, or Romans chapter 8. Uh, just kind of memorizing a key chapter and beginning to own it. But those are different ways to do memorization and meditation as well. Um, the key, again, is listening to our Heavenly Father, is making it a, re- a relationship. That's, that's the point. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. We're not performing for anybody. We're wanting to get with God. We're wanting to get 
time with them. And that brings us down to the last point. Listen to his obedient son. Listen to his obedient son. We see this in verses 49 through 52. And so again here, kind of the key verse, I'm going to repeat uh, chapter 2, verse 49. Jesus says this. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I must be about the business of my father. That's what he is obsessed with. That's what he wants to focus on. He is an obedient son. Verse 50, they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. They still weren't really sure what was happening. One of my favorite things over the years as I've studied the life of Jesus as a people pleaser, I'm somewhat naturally good at caring for people's feelings and wanting people to be happy. Just a natural gift of my flesh. Um, And so something that really helps me is Jesus didn't mind being misunderstood. As a people-pleasing teacher, that's really hard for me. (laughs) I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I want you to understand my motives. I want you to understand the truth. I want to explain everything, right? Jesus was just going to obey his Father. Whether people responded well or poorly, he was going to obey his Father. They didn't understand. Verse 51 He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Another mind-blowing reality of the incarnation, Jesus obeyed his parents who didn't fully understand his role as king of the universe. Yeah, they knew he was some kind of Messiah. They knew he was some kind of savior, some kind of king. They knew there was supernatural stuff about this guy, but they didn't fully get what was going on. And Jesus obeyed them. Jesus was submissive to them. His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Remember that from the Christmas story? After the shepherds shared everything, she treasured these things again. She's treasuring up Jesus' obedience in her own heart. Verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus is modeling obedience, submission for us. And one of the ways that we can listen to our Heavenly Father is by looking at the life of Jesus. I'm going to make this really uncomfortable for you. One of the gifts that God has given to you is the opportunity to submit to people that are in authority over you that may often feel like complete idiots. That's a gift he's given you. Jesus is submitting to his parents that didn't, they didn't understand fully what was going on. And Jesus submitted to them because it was right and good. He's fulfilling the law for us. He's living as a human should live. Humans should submit to the authorities that are put over them. And God says, this is good for you. Even if they're a little confused, submit to them. Now to clarify, when the authorities say, break God's law, or revoke Jesus, right? That's when we don't submit. But in every other annoying circumstances, we we are to submit, right? And every other little thing that's like frustrating, we're still to submit. Even when they're stupid, Even when their strategy is all wrong, we are to submit to them. And so we have this beautiful model of Jesus submitting. Jesus, with joy, lived as a human. He gives us this model of what it looks like to be fully human. We see him submitting to those that were confused, that were off track. And we see a bigger picture in the Gospel of Luke of ultimate obedience to his heavenly Father. So we're going to come up on this in the next few chapters. If you look uh, forward, you're going to see the genealogy of Jesus, and it takes it all the way back to Adam. And this is an echo of what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5. Jesus is the new Adam. He's the good Adam. He's the human that we should be. 
And so when we're trusting in Jesus, we're trusting in his death on the cross as a sacrifice. And that's important and central, the blood of Christ. We're also trusting in his perfect obedience. So we've got a positive and a negative aspect to our faith in Christ's work. Negative aspect is he's forgiven our sin. He's cleared our debt. Positive aspect, he's filled our bank account, spiritually speaking. The very righteousness of the perfect, obedient son is credited to our account. So that if you trust in God, if you trust in Jesus, when God looks at you, he's delighted in you. He's pleased with you. Just as he's going to say to Jesus in chapter 3, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. If you trust in Christ, that's what God says to you as well. Because you are in Christ, the perfect, obedient son. I grabbed a picture of some boys playing in the mud. Y'all, somehow, Jesus was a real boy. He probably played in the mud. Like, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of all this, right? Somehow he was really human, and yet he did not sin. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 4.15. Says he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus, the God of the universe, lived with human weakness, lived with human temptation. He suffered as we did. He struggled as we did. He was cold. He was hungry. And yet he always loved his heavenly Father. It's an amazing concept. It's like our brains can't even make sense of that. Being fully enfleshed, being fully human, and yet not sinning with that flesh. That's who Jesus is was, just for the record, I don't think it's a sin to play in the mud. That's why I use that picture. So. Um, so this is Jesus. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He, he grew like a human a person. He, he grew in reality. He's our, he's our model and our provision. He's our example and our rescuer. He's our striving and he's our rest. You see that? Don't miss that. Jesus is both. In our desire to guard grace in the gift of his rest, of his rescue, of everything he's done for us, we can often minimize the example and the model that he lives out for us. He gives us a model of obedience, and obedience is a sweet and good thing. Obedience is a means of grace. If you read the Bible and you have a hard time understanding it, Try doing it. Try reading the scripture, and when it tells you to do something unusual, you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. I don't fully get it, right? Like one of the big issues in our culture right now is, is sexual immorality. We don't have to have it all figured out. We can just say, God tells me to live in a different way than the rest of culture. And our friends can be like, well, that seems really arbitrary. I'm like, I trust Jesus. I don't trust you. I trust Jesus. And I might even agree with you that it seems arbitrary, I was raised in this crazy culture too. Some of the rules seem kind of strict to me. But I believe as I obey Jesus, that's actually a means of grace to me. It's good. It's going to teach me. It's going to help me to understand him better as I follow his model and trust in his provision and his rescue. So to put this one simply, what's, what's the next right thing you can do? What's the thing that the Spirit is pressing on your heart right now? We're heading into a new year. Man, what is... Is there an area of disobedience or doubt that you're struggling with? Just take the next, just take the next right step of following him. Say, okay, I'm going I'm to do what you say. I'm going to do what you say. 
And that doing what God tells you to do doesn't win your salvation. You're doing it because he's saved you. You're doing it because he loves you, because he's adopted you, because he's given you the gift of life. So heading into the new year, listen to your heavenly father. We've really emphasized Bible reading, but what I want you to understand is what we're trying to get you to think about is relationship with God. Not just reading a text or memorizing a text, but having an active relationship with God. So it's not just Bible reading, but it's praying, it's relating, it's thinking, it's asking questions, it's listening, it's the whole back and forth. So as you read scripture this year, pray that you would listen well to your heavenly Father. As we trust in Jesus, the Father is pleased with us. And that changes the disciplines of grace from a chore to a delight, to a relationship. And again, I want to just finish with this picture of the entire Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke starts with Jesus at Passover, listening and loving his heavenly Father through the season of Passover where they remembered that God had saved them. It ends with Jesus enacting the Passover. It ends, this book, with Jesus being the Passover. And then on the road to Emmaus, after he was resurrected from the dead, he's talking with the guys and he teaches them that the entire Old Testament is about him. It's all about him. All of it points to our need for him or the provision that he gives. So I encourage you to run to the scriptures in this new year looking, looking for him. So I said the Bible reading plan has a lot of practical suggestions. Make sure you grab one of these. If you're not in a group, that's a great way to grow. The women's ministry is starting. We announced that earlier uh, in a couple of weeks. Their new study, uh, the navigators meet on Friday night. We have small groups that meet on Sundays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and some in homes and some at the church. We'd love to help you get in one of those groups or maybe it's just grabbing a Bible reading plan and grabbing a friend and saying, hey, let's, let's work through this together. Let's just talk about it. Let's read. Let's pray. Let's encourage one another. Um, we have a lot of great resources for you. Uh, my prayer is that you would jump in again, not to perform for any of us, but because you want to get to know your Heavenly Father in the new year. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you love us and you gave us Jesus. Thank you that you save us. Thank you that you're constantly reforming, reshaping, making us more like your son because you love us. So God, help us to hope in you in the new year. Help us to live differently. Um, help us to pursue you again as a relationship not as a performance. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.